My name's Hannah. And I'm Abby. And we are the The Homegirl Hustlers. We are here to be your guides on how to adjust your mindset, lifestyle, and habits to become the best version of yourself and pursue your passion without limits. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Homegirl Hustlers. We're so excited to have an incredible episode for you guys today. Today's episode is all about turning your dreams into a reality, how to know when to turn your side hustle into a business. This is one of the hardest decisions and it can be a amazing, incredible lifestyle decision and a decision that can, by by lifestyle decision, I mean like this decision could change your life on whether you decide to turn your side hustle into an official business or not. But either way, we always have issues when it comes to thinking about when is the right time? Like, how do I know? How do I know? Like, I'm great at knitting. All my friends want to buy my sweaters. When do I know is that it's a right time to have my knitting business turn into an actual business? My passion that I'm going to stay up all night knitting turning into a passion. And I use knitting. <laughs> Dang, I wish I wish you had a knitting business. I would wear all the sweaters. I know, man. <laughs> now I want to be a knitter. We're going to talk to you guys all about today how to make that decision and when it's the right time to make that decision. We're going to help you guys make that decision. So what we're going to have is we're going to have a checklist of things. So again, as always, have a notebook with pen and paper ready to take notes. But we are going to have a checklist for you guys of things that you need to be thinking about and know before you make that decision. And then once you make that decision, how to actually get started. And this is based on real experiences of Abby and I how we decided to take our passion for marketing and turn it into a successful business. So this is based on experience. This is the real stuff. This is the nitty gritty. This is stuff that you guys need to know. So Abby, why don't you go ahead and start us off with the first question on our checklist? Um, yes. So before we go into that, I did want to say like, I want to give them an example of what it looks like when you're kind of on the edge, when you're on the fence, like, do I do it or not? Um, Hannah and I, we already did freelance marketing prior to Boost Your Brand, for example. We were already doing it and we didn't think to turn it into anything because we were getting paid. I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but there's certain patterns that we notice in our life where we're like, okay, we can turn this into a business. So the first thing is asking yourself, do you absolutely love this? Do you absolutely love your passion? Do you want to turn this side hustle into a business? Is this what you would stay up all night doing and put everything into, given the option to? Um, This is the most important question, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, when you start your own business, you start your own business. This is your business. Nobody's going to wake you up and tell you to go to work in the morning. Nobody's going to tell you that you're doing bad. Nobody's going to tell you you're doing good. You need to be invested in your business, invested in yourself, invested in your growth, or that's it. And Hannah and I are lucky to have each other. If you want to start a business on your own, you need to be able to um, have that accountability and just have the love for it because sometimes that's the only thing that keeps us going. It's not like, oh, I don't want to do this today. It's like, okay, I started this. I'm investing in it. I have a long-term goal on how to build this for myself and for my future and for the future of my family and for my kids. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. So do you love it? Is this, is this all that you ever dreamed of? And a good point to what Abby's saying with our first um, little check mark is you absolutely love it. Like that's going to be important because... 
like she said, no one else is going to be pushing you to do this. You need to love it. You need to be willing to put in the lifestyle and the work and the grind that it's going to take. And I mean, you can do something you hate, but it's going to be a lot harder um, if you don't like actually what you're and, and you don't like what you're doing. It's going to be a lot harder to sell yourself. It's going to be a lot harder for a lot of reasons. So think twice before you go into that family business or take something over or do something that you feel pressured into doing that you don't actually love because it can lead to a lot of unhappiness in your career. So it's a really, really, really big, important step for that checklist. I think that question's straightforward enough. Do you love it? So our next question that we have is, do you have unbiased people, someone outside you, your family, your friends who agree that this is what you're talented at? This is extremely important because guess what? Your parents, they won't be your best friends most of the time. Most of the time, they're like your biggest fans. And like I said, most of the time, this may not be everyone, but most of the time they're like, yes, sweetie, you're great. You're amazing. Those sweaters that you knit or the way you train these people or whatever your business is, your bakery, you know, you bake the best ever. Like you're the best. And they want to tell you you're the best. Your friends even. Yeah, you're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whether that's the truth or not, they have a bias. They know you, they love you, they want the best for you, and it's easy for them to just say, yeah, go ahead. Is it their money and neck on the line? Is it their time that they're putting into it? No, it's you. So you got to know outside of family and friends, will this work? Will your business plan, will your business model, will your product, will your service work for the group of people that you are trying to serve? Is there a need and are you able to meet it effectively? You need to know that. There's a statistic, I can't remember what percentage, but it's something like 50, 60 or 70, somewhere around there. I know that's a bad range, but it's like a certain percentage most. And and it's just it's just most most businesses fail because there wasn't a need for what you were trying to give and you weren't able to meet it. And a good place to start is do unbiased people, people who could care less whether they like you or not. Do they want what you have and do they understand that you're talented at it? Yes. And this is a really good point, I think, because you are passionate about it and it's like love is blind, right? You're in love with something. You love doing it. You're going to do it all the time. But are you actually gaining attention and traction from people outside your personal network? Or is your grandma your number one customer? And like, Uh that's where all your income is coming from. You have to be careful with stuff like that because it really is blinding, especially when we try to take it to a bigger platform and reach out to a bigger network. And a good example of this in mine and Abby's life, before we started Boost Your Brand, we were both freelancing and people were paying us to do marketing. Whether that was building a brand, whether that was coming up with strategy, whether that was content creation, I could go on and on. People outside of our family and friends were paying us to do work and they were giving us great feedback on it. And we were thriving outside of Booster Brand, like separately doing our freelance stuff. And that was the unbiased opinions of that affirmation. Yes, what you're doing is working. So that's a real life, just a small real life example of what that would look like. All right. Well, then our next point is, is there a clear differentiator in what you're doing compared to everyone else? So is what you're doing distinct? Is it something that has a secret sauce to it? Or are you just like everyone else that's doing that? It's really easy to not do something because you believe that it's too saturated. Um, But it's also easier than we think to find something to set us apart. 
It's really important to have that thing that causes a barrier to entry for your specific service or product because it's distinct to you and it's specific to you. And I think a lot of examples of this could be, for example, I I love using this knitting example. That's just been the example, man, I've been sticking with. I can't tell you why. It just popped up in my head. But I'm like, when you're knitting sweaters and you're doing really well, what is it? Is it your technique and how you are knitting? Is it a specific type of yarn that you have the rights to? Is it your niche? You're targeting specific. Maybe it's sweat proof and you're targeting. I don't know. I can go on and on. But what makes you different? And for Abby and I, for marketing, we have our secret sauce of what we know makes us different. What we know makes us stick out. What we know is our secret sauce. So what is that for you? And when it comes to that, you want to keep that internal. You don't want to be outsourcing that. You don't want to be relying on other people for your secret sauce. You can rely on your pe- on other people for a lot of things because you should when starting a business, but you never want to outsource your secret sauce. You got to find what that secret sauce is. You got to know that secret sauce. You got to protect that secret sauce and you got to hone in on it. So what is what is your differentiator? What are you doing that makes you distinct in your industry? I love that. And I wish we could tell you our example, but it's our secret I know, sauce. I know, I know. And that's the best part about it. I mean, Abby and I talk about it like, hey, this is our secret sauce. This is something that we keep private to us that we know works really well. So that's just a really, really, really important key in general when it comes to whatever your, whatever your side hustle and your passion is, what makes you different, you know? So figure out what that is and, and write that down. That goes into kind of our next check in the checklist, Okay. So in what ways can you monetize your passion? And Abby, I definitely want you to to touch on this one. But what ways can you monetize the secret sauce now? Your passion, your side hustle, you've got it down. How can you monetize it? Yes, I'm the numbers girl. So it makes sense for you to pass the torch. I am not the numbers girl. Let me tell you that. Yes. So when it comes to monetizing your passion, I notice a lot when people have their passion or whatever they call their art or whatever they do as a creative, we love doing it. But how are you making money doing it? Do you have a system in place to make money? You would be so surprised at how many people just don't have a system in place. Like they can be a painter. They can make the most beautiful paintings, but they don't know how to price it. They don't do their comparisons and see what's going on in the market to see how much they can sell their painting for, how much that will go for. Um, They are just giving it away for whatever they can get. And I'm like, you need a system in place on how to price your product slash service. You need a system in place on how to get that money. Um, how to record your profits, how to actually check if you're getting a return on investment. So like, say you, you price it based on someone else's prices, but you use the most expensive paint that you can find. Why didn't you charge more? Things like that are so important. And people don't realize like, yeah, maybe at first when you start your business, you're not making as much money as you want. Initially, you're trying to gain some traction. But over time, you need to make sure that you are profiting. Otherwise, you will not be able to stand like you will not be able to have a long-term retained business. How are you going to put food on the table? Exactly. How are you going to put food on the table? Not with that expensive paint. No, ma'am. <laughs> I like what you said too when you touched on, when you said in the beginning to gain traction, because we did another episode about this when it comes to figuring out your side hustle. There is going to be sometimes when you're just starting 
and you want to get your work out there, you want to get your name out there, that you're going to have to do some work for free. You're going to have to do some of this. You're going to have to discount whatever a little bit maybe. But, you know, once you have that traction and once you've been gaining, you do, if you don't have pricing in place, like you're done. Like you can't make money off of that. You can't monetize that. You can't turn it into a business. At the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You want to use your passion to support yourself. And I think there was one time I called Tana and I was I was kind of freaking out because I was scared about a monetary problem. And I was like, guys, do you not realize we can be having all of the fun in the world and look like we have the best business. But the moment we run out of money, we're done. Like we're just done. And it's just a reality check. Like, hey, is this actually a business or is this is it a side hustle? Where you're just chilling. Is it a hobby? When you have a hobby, you typically have another job making you money. So you have another source of income. You're not reliant on your hobby to make you money. If you're actually serious about turning this into a business, making your dreams a reality, you have to come up with that plan. And like Abby said, she put it so beautifully when it comes to everything you need to have in place, systems in place to make money and how you're going to price it, do the comparisons because guess what? Your customers might ask you about your price and you need to be willing to defend that price um, however you decide fit to do that. Maybe your differentiator makes you more expensive than everyone else. Maybe it is the expensive paint or the things that go into your service. Maybe it's the hours you're putting in. I don't know what that is for you. So you have to understand where your price comes from. Don't just throw a number in the air. What does that bottom line look like? Can you survive off of it? Are you making what you need to have what you need and then invest more into your business? There's a lot that goes into that. And there's a lot that you can base your pricing off of too. People always want to base it off of like time, um, but you can base it off time. You can base it off expertise. You can base it off value added. A really good example is modeling. You can charge for an hour of shooting. How much you want to charge for an hour? Oh, an hour for time is 125 bucks. Okay, cool. But like, are you shooting for Gap and are they going to use this advertisement all around the world for them to make millions off of you? That's value. You can charge off of value in that case. So like value yourself enough to charge what you're worth and then find out whatever you're worth, list it out and make sure that you can present that like Hannah said. That's a great, 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 like, I love that. And I love how you put everything, Abby, because Abby's definitely, like I said, the numbers girl. And if you're like me and you're not a numbers girl, that's okay. You have to learn. (laughs) There's going to be definitely times where you're going to have to do some research and you're going to have to learn. And that's also a time where you can, whether if you have a partner, like talk about it, discuss it hire maybe a consultant or outsource that when it comes to figuring out your pricing. If you don't trust yourself and you think you're too biased, you could always outsource and try to figure out how you should do your pricing. That's definitely, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. You need to know what you're doing and know how you're going about that. So that's why Abby and I too, I think work so well together in business because we have such complementary strengths There's things that I'm not good at that Abby excels at. There's things that Abby doesn't like or doesn't want to do or isn't good at that I excel at and vice versa. I mean, it's literally just like such a great complimentary strength relationship. So when you're picking to a business partner, that's definitely something to keep in mind. The next point that we have is, do you have a marketing plan in place? Okay, this is going to sound like an ad because we have a digital marketing agency. It is not an advertisement. (laughs) People really, really, really don't have marketing in place. 
and they don't know what they even need for marketing. They don't even know anything about marketing. It's like crickets. And so it's like, how are you going to put yourself out there and get people to actually be drawn to you, your product slash service, if you don't know how to market yourself? You need to figure out how to market yourself before you start that business. Because when you start it, and then you come to a standstill because you're running out of people to reach out to. You didn't run out of people. How many people are on this planet, Anna? Billion something, seven billion, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there. Someone's gonna buy your product, but do you know how to reach them? Do you know how to get their attention? So what are you doing to, to find out who's going to buy your product, right? Who's your target audience? How are you going to figure out what needs to be done to reach them? Um, you need to take those steps. People really undervalue this because we don't realize when we start our own business, a lot of times we're attached to it. Like it's our own, like it's it's us. It's a piece of us. And so imagine marketing yourself. Imagine even in a relationship, trying to convince someone every day that you're enough. Imagine how much that, that could really take a toll on a person. Um, but that's what you're doing when you start your own business because it's you, it's just you. So you need to have a plan behind it and you need to make sure that it's something that is able to be objectified and have a plan that can be followed to push that out there because you are your product. You have to push it though. Exactly, exactly. You have to push it. And what do you have in place? So that can look like a lot of things for a lot of different industries, a lot of different businesses. Um, But honestly, just like Abby said, like what research have you done? What do you have in place? Do you know what you have in place? Do you have an idea? It's another way you can outsource. Like if marketing isn't your secret sauce, then outsource or ask, like get a consultant, get something, get something in place, hire someone or do something in place in order to market your product or your service and putting it out in the world. If that's not what you're good at, again, no shame in the game. But I'm a big believer in not trying to get good at what you're bad at. But going somewhere else, whether that's a partner, whether that's a a partner in business, whether that's a partner that you're going to outsource to, whatever that is, I don't care. But why would you waste your time trying to get all good at something you know you're naturally good at? I would much rather spend that time getting better at what I'm amazing at and excel in what I'm amazing at. So if marketing ain't your thing, again, no shame in the game, you can learn some tactics and pick up. I'm, I'm not, I'm a big believer too. Yes. Okay. Continue learning. Never stop learning. But don't try to be the best at something that you hate or you're not naturally good at because you're never going to. There's going to be someone that's naturally amazing at that who's going to kick your butt at that. And that's okay. That's, that's there. You're good at something there. You're, you're good at something else. They're not. What do you have in place when it comes to the research, when it comes to how you know you're going to be able to reach that target market? Where are they at? How are you going to reach them? You got to know. You got to know. Are you putting your money? People spend so much money in marketing, which you should, but is it going to the right places? You know, if your audience is in their early 20s, why the heck do you have radio ads? Like why? It's just a waste of money. If that's not your demographic, where's your demographic? And why aren't you putting money to where they're at? It's not like super complex and I'm not going to go all into it because Abby and I could have a whole nother conversation about how to market to your audience because that's what we do. You got to know what you have in place and you got to have something there. So long story short, that is our last check mark, a little checkbox or checklist point. And Abby can also read over all of those so that you guys who are taking notes have your checkpoints or checklist in place. So the checklist that we had, we wanted to start with the question, 
Do you absolutely love it? Is it something that you'll stay up all night doing? Yes, no. Okay. So after that, do you have unbiased people who agree that this is what you are talented at? Or is your grandma the only person buying your sweaters? <laughs> um, the third question is, is there a clear differentiator in what you're doing compared to everyone else? Fourth question is, in what ways can you monetize your passion? And lastly, you need to ask yourself, do you have a marketing plan in place? After you check all of these boxes, we have a, a really quick list that we'll go through. Um, but we want you guys to just go ahead and get that passion started, get it turned into a business. How do we do that? You have your checklist. We've checked off all the boxes. Okay. Now we have steps on actually taking that dream and making it a reality. So when do I make it a reality? Are those checklists, are you checked off the boxes on all of them? Yes. Okay. Now it's time to actually start making it a reality. The first step into making it a reality is starting on a small level and testing it out. You need to start testing whether, and that depends too on your individual case. How long have you been doing your passion? How long has this been a side hustle? Have you tested it out with your market? Have you done some market research? Have you had people outside your family and friends pay for your service? If not, now's the time to start to get the ball rolling to start learning from your mistakes early on. Everyone's going to fail. Everyone's going to make a mistake, especially when you're first starting out in a business. So you need to make those mistakes You need to make them, you need to learn from them, and you need to make them early on. So now is the time to start get the ball rolling, starting on a small level and testing it out. And whether that's phases or however you want to do it, um, you got to start on a small level, but start rolling out that business. So whether that's your first step in your business plan of research, or if you've gone kind of further into the plan and you want to start rolling it out and testing it out to your target market, seeing who will pay for it, testing out different prices, testing out whatever it is, now is the time to start doing that and to start making the mistakes. So like I said, starting on a small level, testing it out is really important. I did give some examples of how you could do this when it comes to getting the ball rolling and making the mistakes early, but that could also look like selling your product like on Facebook to your network and start like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to use Facebook. I'm going to use Instagram. I'm going to use TikTok and start rolling it out, start getting the ball rolling, seeing how people respond, getting feedback on my product and getting all those opinions and feedback and kind of collecting the data. So starting that, starting on a small level and testing everything out, that's, that's step one. Now moving into step two, we're going to make it official. We're going to give it an entity, whether that's an LLC, sole proprietorship, whatever it may be. This is when you personally have to go and do your research. Luckily, we live in a world where you can look anything up in like 10 seconds. So Google it, do your research, watch YouTube videos, read articles, talk to someone like a lawyer or an accountant that you know of. But what are you going to do? Are you going to do a partnership, some proprietorship, LLC? What is your entity going to be? That's the next step because that's going to make it official so that no one can come in and steal something from underneath you. You also don't want to do anything illegal. You want to start making those legitimate steps to make yourself legitimate. So you need to decide what that entity is for you, what's best for you after doing your research, and then go ahead and fill out the paperwork, fill out the forms and make it a thing. Abby's going to talk about this next step, our third step, and she's perfect for it because guess what? We're back to numbers. So Abby, what's the, what's the third step? <laughs> third step is to start a bank account. So start a bank account for your business. Um, This is going to be great for tracking cash flow and making sure that you are also going to be taking advantage of 
taxes and tax cuts, different aspects of your business um, will need a bank account. When people want to send you money, yeah, just cash at me. No, that's not what we're going to do. Okay, guys, this is your business. Treat it with some respect. (laughs) Zell, my business account, sure. But like people can write checks. People can write e-checks. If you need to pay people, you can send checks from your bank account and it's all tracked. When people write checks to you, it's all tracked. So make sure that you do that. That was a big step for us. Um, Something that we did really quickly, but we had our business debit cards before we started our business. And so everything that we had and everything that we purchased, everything that we invested in was able to be tracked and also taxable. And Abby also has some great methods because she, like I said, does all the finances. She's our money girl, but has great ways of how she, even more than just the bank account, tracks our cash flow. Because you never know, you could be super successful and in three years blow up and you're just like so legit and amazing. And then you get audited because that can happen. We live in a world where you can get audited. IRS could come after you. You got to have proof and have everything written down and have everything be legit. So the sooner you can get all that done, the better. And so our fourth point is to make goals. Again, this is this one's kind of broad, but we do have a podcast episode on setting goals. Um, but set goals for your business so that you're not just doing it to do it. Um, because that's what we do with our hobbies, right? We just do it to do it. We enjoy it. It's fun. If you're looking for something to give you a sustainable income or long-term growth, you're going to need to set goals. And another point that I want to bring up that Abby talked about earlier is you're an entrepreneur, man. It is time. And you don't have a boss hanging over you telling you what to do, giving you sales quotas, giving you this, giving you this. You have to set those. If you don't set those, you're in trouble because no one's going to be lighting a fire behind you saying, let's go, let's get up, let's keep going, let's keep pushing, let's keep acquiring new business, let's get this sales quota, let's do this. That's you. You and whoever you start a business with. Maybe you have a partner, maybe you don't, but you need those goals and you need to have ways to hold yourself accountable. Again, we do have a podcast more in depth on this, but which is our last one, episode six. However, it's really, really, really important because you don't have a whole team. Unless you are an incredible entrepreneur and your business that you're starting requires a whole team, you don't have a whole team. It's most likely just you and maybe one to three other people. And so you have to really be so transparent on those goals, so real and raw with those goals, hold yourself accountable and and set them. That's going to be really important. Yes, yes, yes. And so we have number five. Use your personal network. There are so many ways you can use your personal network that you don't even think of. Abby, what did we do? What did we do when we started Boost Your Brand? How did we use our personal network when we first started our business? Launch party? (laughs) Yes. All right. So first we had our launch party. That was at Hannah's parents' house. During COVID. It was during COVID and it was virtual. So we didn't have a bunch of people there, but they were so, 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 so just inviting open arms. Like, oh my gosh, our babies want to start something. Come on in. And that was honestly one of the biggest, biggest, biggest blessings like we could have ever imagined. Um, We got party hats. Her dad helped us with recording. Um, Everyone was involved. And not only in person were they involved, but virtually 
who was our who were our biggest fans on that launch party? Our families and friends. So like, yes, we had over 2000 views on it, but our family and friends were like the biggest people engaging on that party the whole time. Like it didn't, we couldn't even tell if we sucked or not because <laughs> they were hyping us up like nobody's business. Um, and sometimes it's all you need. You just need those cheerleaders in the background saying like, hey, you guys are awesome. And let everyone else rally around that energy. That was huge for us. Did you have anything else to add about the launch party? Because that was that was a big yes, thing. Yes, it was huge. And I, I wanted you to give that example because when it comes to using your personal network, especially when you're starting out, you need to hone in on this because Aunt Barbara in Indiana may have a friend or a cousin or a coworker that could really utilize your product or your service. And you want to make sure that your personal network knows what it is that you're doing and why. And you want to release that to them. It's almost like the VIP experience before you launch something to make sure that they all know what you're doing because they have connections and know people or it may even be themselves. Who knows? but what they could have to utilize your services. And that's just a mutual benefit for everyone. And so one of the things Abby and I did with this launch party is it was not your mama's launch party, okay? It was during COVID. We launched during COVID. Everyone was afraid to leave their houses. So we made it virtual. We relate it to our family and friends, made a huge, big announcement. We have this big surprise, this awesome thing. Everyone tune in at this specific time. Bring a glass of champagne to do a toast or your favorite drink to do a toast. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have giveaways. We made it fun for them. We made it entertaining. It wasn't boring. We weren't just sitting there talking about what we're going to do. We made giveaways. We made it fun. And we incorporated a lot of really fun elements to it that made people want to engage, want to listen, want to pay attention. We got referrals from it. We got follows on social media. We got a lot of things. So that set us up for success on using our personal network because from there, if they knew someone or have someone that can be benefited from our service or your product or your service, they're able to want to give you that business. And it was really, really, really great. Not only in that, but setting the tone. Like Abby said, we were excited. Everyone was excited and happy for us. It sets us, It sets such a good tone in the beginning of your business when it, it can be lonely to kind of kick you off and get you on a great start. But that doesn't stop there, by the way. I wanted to use that example for the for the launch party, but using your personal network never stops. You can always update your family and friends on what you've been doing and who you've been helping and your success in your business because they may, who knows, they may have met someone at a restaurant two weeks ago that was really in need of something and then you can get a referral from them. You just can never, 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 never sell yourself short. We're going to be talking about this here in a second when it comes to selling yourself. Well, I did want to add with your personal network, like little things. So like you need an accountant, ask around. If you need a lawyer, ask around. Yeah, we can Google it, nearest lawyer, but it's like you want people that are trustworthy because your business is a, it's a piece of you. Um, so that's how we've been able to get along in those ways. If you need a mentor, if you need advice, think of that one random person that might have started a business when they were 20 years old and go ask them what they're up to. Because that honestly has helped us a lot, a lot, a lot. Because that is experience-based and also it's someone that you trust. Very true. Very true. Hannah, you can get us through this podcast with the last point. Let's go. The last point. Hustle and grind, baby. Homegirl hustlers. Let's take it back to our name. 
So when it comes to hustle and grind, this is using social media, using networking opportunities, using events, being your biggest advocate and fan and selling yourself. You are always selling yourself. I am a huge advocate of it. I did the master's program at AM for the master's of science and business. And one of our professors started a sales department in the university because guess what? Sales is a career. And no matter what career path you're taking, you're in sales. Abby's another huge advocate on this. You are always selling yourself. If you want a promotion in your career, you're selling yourself. If you want to convince your husband to go to your favorite restaurant for dinner on the weekend, you're selling something. You're always, always, always selling. And especially when it comes to your business, you got to be your biggest fan. If you don't love you, if you're not a big fan of what you're doing, if you're not passionate about it, how can you expect anyone else to care or anyone else to be passionate about what you're doing? And so that's why it goes kind of all the way back to our checklist of, do you love this? Is this what you're passionate about? But are you selling yourself? Are you your biggest advocate and your fan? This is something my parents always love to tell me, whether it's positive or not, but they're like, you are your biggest fan. You're always selling yourself. And when it comes to your work, that shines and like that gets other people excited and it makes other people trust that you are the best at this because of your energy, your excitement and your passion. I don't care if it's like bees, like you're passionate about bees and honey and like this amazing honey business that you have. If you're set on fire about it and you're excited about it and you're telling people about it via reels on Instagram and TikTok and you're reaching this whole new market and you're doing this whole thing and you're partnering with with businesses that make sense and you're going and you're passionate about it. I'll listen like I will be listening because you're passionate. I can tell. And if I need honey, I know where I'm going to go. So you got to always, always, always be your biggest advocate and your fan. Yes, I totally. I love that point. I mean, it's a great point to end on. Hustle and grind. I always say, like, I respect anyone's grind. I don't care what it is. If you're grinding, you're passionate about it. Like, I respect it. And other people respect it because they see it. They feel it. They feel your energy and they believe you. Um, So just stand by it. Stand by your truth. Be your biggest advocate. You got this. Keep on hustling, girl. (laughs) Yes. And just to recap to the steps that we talked about, after we checked all those boxes from earlier, we have some steps. And the first one was start on a small level, test it out. The second one was get an LLC, sole proprietorship, whatever entity it is for your business. Let's make it legit. Third step, get a bank account for your business. Track your cash flow. The sooner, the better. And then the next one is make goals for your business and for your sales, quotas, whatever it is. The next one is use your personal network. The last one is hustle and grind. Use social media, use networking opportunities, events, be your biggest advocate and fan and sell yourself because other people will feel that energy and they'll reciprocate that. And they will, when they need that, or when they know of someone who needs what you do, you're going to be the first person that comes to mind. I hope you guys are able to take notes. That's honestly, this is an episode that I wish I had when I was in college and thinking about the different side hustles that I had and how to even start. It seems so overwhelming. It seems like there's so many things or I'm scared I don't have enough experience or I'm scared about this or I just don't even know where to start. Hopefully this makes it a little bit simpler for you guys, but also you can learn from Abby's and I as an experience. Like that's why we're doing this podcast. We want you to learn from our experience and we want to show you that, hey, it's possible. It's doable. We're in our early 20s and we're doing it. So as long as you check those boxes and follow those follow those initial steps, plus, I mean, we could go on about other advice, but those are the main steps. Like you got this. And if you ever need a community or need advice or need help, that's what we have our Home Go Hustler community for. 
Abby, tell them about our private Facebook group, our Instagram. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, you just said it. Go ahead if you haven't already. Follow us on Instagram. Um, We will be posting all of our updates on Instagram. On Facebook, we have a community page where you guys can go ahead and join. And we have a community of women who are gathering to talk about their hustles and the challenges that they have and see if anyone in the chat can help guide them through it as we are a community of women uplifting each other. Um, So go ahead and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Um, I don't know how you listen to this whole episode and you haven't clicked the subscribe button, but it's okay. Um, It's okay. Just do it now. (laughs) And am I missing anything, Hannah? No, I think that's it. I think definitely also know that we launch every single Wednesday. So next Wednesday, we have another exciting episode for you guys. And we just really love that you guys are listening and are thankful for you. You guys are our homegirl honeys. And we can't wait to be with you guys again next Wednesday. So thanks for listening. And we'll see you later. Bye.